Welcome to The Right Now Show. This show is all about inspiring our generation, people in their 20s, to go out and actually go for your dream, to find out what your purpose and your mission in life is. And I know that you listening, you are capable of so much more than you can possibly imagine. And I want you to go out and I want you to make that happen. And on this show, we're going to bring on people that have inspired us, that are absolutely just crushing it in life and have overcome insane odds. And this show is called The Right Now Show because the only thing that is truly real is this moment. Let's get into the show. Sweet, man. So I want to I wanna get into your story of you know, how you got to where you are today, how you got into all this coaching. So basically, yeah, like bring me back as far as you want to bring me back. And just kind of tell me your story. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a cloudy, stormy day in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, the easiest way to sum this up is th- there's sort of three parts. You know, you have Chris Goodman, the, the life and business coach today. Before that, there was Chris, the top real estate agent and director of sales of a, an award-winning team here in, in the uh, Louisville, Kentucky area. And then before that, you had Chris, the, the guy who was in law school, who thought he was going to be a lawyer, um, who wanted to be an environmental lawyer or a trial attorney or a litigation um, attorney. And the, the funny thing is, you know, in hindsight, it all makes sense, right? Like the way it all came together makes perfect sense. At every chapter, I had no idea what was going on, <laughs> right? I had, I had these great designs and these great plans. And of course, that would change on a dime. Um, but the, the short summary of it was I, I spent, you know, my college career and everything like that working to become a lawyer. I, you know, got into classes that would help me in that industry, met people that would help me in that industry, um, took a job at a law firm that was a, you know, a really big and powerful firm here in town and worked there for five years. Um, and when I got into law school, you know, the first year is always like, everybody says the same thing. It sucks right? It's a lot of work. They scare the crap out of you. They make you think you can't do anything without getting sued. (laughs) And that wasn't the part that wasn't really aligning with me though. It was, I had this innate feeling, you know, I'd been in that industry for, for four or five years at that point. And I had this feeling like, I don't love the actual work of being a lawyer here, right? The things that are not going to change when I graduate and move on and do this for a living. I don't like it. And I really thought I would. And so I let it ride for the first semester, just kind of thinking it was jitters. But by my second semester, I was studying contract law. And you can imagine how fun that is. Not not only the the substance of it, but the book, you know, if you can't see me on the video here, it's probably a five inch thick book. Yeah. Tiny, tiny print, like size, you know, seven font. (laughs) And I'm studying at the table in my kitchen and these two squirrels are running around making noise, like rustling the leaves, chasing each other, squeaking at each other, you know. And I had my screen door open because it was kind of nice that day, but they were distracting me. So every couple of seconds, it seems like I'm reading the same sentence over and over. And I lost it, dude. I jump up, throw the door, the screen door open and yell at these squirrels. I'm like, shut up. (laughs) And I catch myself in the moment. And I was like, what is happening? If I got hit by a bus today, Mm -hmm. if something happened and I found out I had terminal cancer today. If anything life-threatening or just, you know, life-altering were to occur today, I would have to be honest and say, I'm a miserable person. Or I died as a miserable person. Mm. I'm stressed all the time. I'm not enjoying the work. Uh, I don't like the light at the end of this tunnel. And man, that was as silly as it sounds. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And I think you know, I, I, I took a week or two to process it to make sure I wasn't being impulsive, but I, I quit law school a couple of weeks after that and never looked back, man. So I got, wow. I got to this free fall where it was like, now what? I'd spent seven years doing this. Now what? And I, I started designing it to where like, if I could have anything I wanted, if, if the, the perfect job could be molded out of clay for me, what would it look like? And I spent probably two, three months you know, a lot in between working hours and going back home and all this stuff. And what I designed, I didn't realize it was a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was never on my radar. I never had any right. interest in doing that. Right. My, my brother was a developer, so he was in the real estate scene. And, um, 
long story short, friend wanted to be a realtor. I said, I'm going to hook you up with the guy that sold me my first house. He was awesome. Go to lunch. And he starts talking about what life as a real estate agent is like. Freedom, control your income, meet great people, build your mm -hmm. own business, go on vacation when you want to go on vacation, never have to ask for time off from your boss. And my friend was out. He's like, I can't do all commission. I'm out. And I'm like, hey, wait, tell me more. Tell, tell me more about this, right? Like you said, you said unlimited freedom. That's what I heard, <laughs> you know? So I got into business with him. Um, we built this ma amazing team. And over the course of about four years, um, by the time I left the team, we were selling about 225 houses a year. Wow. And in our area, that's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. These are not million dollar homes in our area. The, our average sale price was like 200,000. So got into coaching there though, man. I know the story got a little long here, but got into coaching there because I started to realize that if you're ever going to get out of actually selling, you have to be able to train people to come onto your team, to get them into production, mm -hmm. teach them the way of being a great real estate agent, keep it going, right? So within about a thousand days, I got out of production and was exclusively hiring, training, coaching, um, and sometimes firing you know, real estate agents. And, yeah, sure. you know, in that season, there was a time where I thought I would do that for the rest of my life. Like I loved it. I was on our board of directors, like all kinds of things. But then I met this woman named Lindsay Mango. And it's funny if anybody knows me and they're like, that that's where everything changed. Mm. <laughs> she's exciting. Yeah. So, um, she was, a, she is a life coach gotcha. and she had helped with an agent, um, on our team. And I was like, blown away in one session she did what i i couldn't seem to figure out to do in like six months and i was like i have to meet you i have to thank you i need to understand more about how you did this um so we met for coffee i think it was three months later we went on our first date and two years a year and a half later we were engaged year and a half after that we got married a year and a half after that we had our first baby wow. you know so not only did we fall in love but she opened the doors, like all the business coaching I had been in, all the real estate coaching I had been in. She showed me that there was a whole nother universe to life coaching, which I had always written mm. off, you know, like, what the hell is that? Right. What does that even mean? Life coaching. And, but at the same time, it was everything that I wanted to do in law school, in real estate. I wanted to really help people. I wanted to control my own life in terms of build my life by design and be able to actually, you know, have the, the freedom, the fulfillment, the fun the income that I wanted and help people in the way that I wanted to do it. And so this universe existed. I just didn't know it until she opened that door for me. So yeah, I, I, uh, that was in 2017 when we met, I started my coaching business probably four to six months after we met and never looked back. And here wow, we are man. today on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, how you have like different chapters in your life. And the first one was, you know, going into law school and that didn't work out and then real estate and now coaching. How do you know, like when to move on to the next chapter? Like, is there, is it just like an intuition? Does life give you a sign? Like, how do you not resist, you know, doing what's comfortable, you know, instead of, you know, embracing that change? Yeah, it's a great question. And yesterday I coached somebody on this. He was only, he's about 20 years old. And I said, you know, he's battling this right now. He's like, I can't tell if this is like a next evolution type of thing, or if right. this is just classic jitters or something, you know? And I said, well, how does it show up for you? And he said, man, it's constant. It's like all the time. It's like this nagging, like, I, I, I think I need to do this. And I said, there's a quote in one of my favorite books. The book is called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. And she says, you have to obey. Actually, she says, you must obey your instincts. It's not trust your gut. It's not listen to your heart. It's not, you know, this passive, like just notice it. It's obey your instinct. So if it keeps coming up, like for me in each of those, in those scenarios, those chapters, it kept coming up over and over and over. It was like, this is something real. This isn't just an impulse. This isn't just mm -hmm. a daydream. And I, I find that most people talk themselves out of it and yeah. they don't obey that instinct. Has, has that been your experience? Uh, I definitely have in the, in the past. For me, it was like baseball because I, I played baseball my, my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then like, I probably like two years went by and I really didn't want to be out on the field, but I kept going. I kept showing out on the field and 
yeah, I should have, I should have went away from it. And eventually I did go away from it. And then I found American Ninja Warrior and that, that really took off. So yeah, yeah account was a sign. Exactly. And that's, that's what I think happens is you cut the weight off For and then sure. you sort of get catapulted into another circumstance, whatever it may be. Yeah. Where you can, ex- and, and that's the thing is like, we can almost always go back. Can't right. We? Right. Especially if we're talking about like business, we can always go back. Mm-hmm. Like I could have always gone back into the legal field. I could always go back to real estate. It's not like the industry right. won't have me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? For sure. Now, uh, you mentioned, uh, your wife now, right? Correct. She taught you a bunch of, you know, different perspectives and a lot of, a lot of lessons in the, in the business coaching world. Like what exactly were they? Oh, how much time you got? Uh, <laughs> maybe 40 more minutes. No, it's, yeah. It, here's the thing. Um, we partner on pretty much everything. Like we are, we, we both work from home. We both talk business at every meal together. We both, you know, have the same, mostly the same big goals for our lives. And I think what she showed me was that this type of alignment was possible between who I wanted to be in my life and who I wanted to be in my business. And before there was always some kind of conflict. Like I loved, I love the aspect that in the law, you can really advocate for people. You can do things that are way too complicated for the average person to understand how to do. Um, but there wasn't real alignment between who I, like how I wanted to live my life and the way the industry needed me, the way I perceived it anyway. And then I got into real estate and it was like, man, I took off and I took it really seriously. I got, you know, rookie of the year, the first year and trained three or four more rookies of the year. Um, and it was kind of constant because the phone's always ringing. Somebody's always needing something. Even when I got out of production and I wasn't actively selling, somebody on the team was you know, thinking about leaving the team or somebody new wanted to come on the team. And it, there was this like um, treadmill feeling. Mm. And I was like, this is not how I want my life to be. And some people who are listening who have successful businesses are like, well, dude, you just kind of stopped early. You know, you could have built the team, you could have built a law firm and then not had to yeah. do that. Could have finished building the team and then not have to do that. And I completely agree. However, there was, again, that instinct that kept popping up saying, yeah, something's off though. This isn't just about the task at hand. This is about the nature of the work and the way you're living. And the, the, the way that Lindsay opened my eyes to life coaching, the way you could build a business here and have it in complete alignment with who you are and what you want to do, that was just really appealing to me. And I had to find out if it was right, you know? Gotcha. Cool. So what are the, some of the main skills that you need to become a life coach? Obviously there's a business side of things and there's also, you know, instilling belief in people. Um, yeah. What are some of the main like skills that you need to be a life coach? Yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I I don't believe in coincidences. I had this conversation yesterday as well. So if that person is listening, thanks for the coaching call that primed my brain here. (laughs) But, um, number one, you have to have, you, you have to experience coaching at a very high level. If you're going to become a, think about a dentist, we would never trust a dentist who had only read dental books, mm. <laughs> right? Um, think about if you played baseball, like think about somebody who know who reads a lot about baseball and listens to a lot of baseball podcasts, but doesn't go out there and fail a right. lot, right? They're not going to be highly skilled. They're not going to know how to handle themselves in the moment. So the first thing I think is always experience great coaching at a very high level until you feel like you can teach it. You don't have to necessarily master every single thing before you can start coaching or teaching it. Um, But there's definitely a level of, okay, I've been here before personally, so now I understand how to take this person through this that they're working through. And then after that, I think the next most important piece is to be able to really listen to what the person is saying and also to what the person is not saying. Both are happening simultaneously, right? Like we have we have two audio tracks going right now. Mine is blinking green because I'm talking and yours is not. That's happening when you're in, in coaching, right. right? Something they're saying, but something they're not saying. So when you get really good at this, you start to pick up on, okay, they're telling me this, but they're also not acknowledging this undercurrent that's happening or they're, they're you know purposefully omitting that they didn't do the thing they agreed to do last week or whatever it may be. 
Um, and they also will specifically choose language that reflects what's happening in their world. Right. So what I mean is you'll start to hear people using words like, oh, I can't do that. I can't afford that. Or I don't have the time for that. And you start to listen to, okay, so their current world looks like through their, their eyes, they can't do something. They are powerless to it. And you start to really pick up on these patterns and that's how you can, you know, find these anchor points to, to jump in and coach. For sure. No, it definitely makes sense. That was just really deep. What are some of the main problems that your clients face? Like the the most common ones? Well, on the surface, they show up like, I want to make more money. I knew I want to have more time. I want to improve my relationship with my partner. Um, I'm stressed about work or I'm stressed about money or both. Uh, you know, I'm not happy with my physical health. That that kind of stuff shows up in just about everybody. Um, the real issue, like that might be the smoke, but the fire is actually, I don't have the confidence to do yep. something that I think I need to do. Um, I, I am making poor decisions about my time. So I feel like I don't have time. Um, I'm not being direct about what I want and what I don't want in my relationship. So I feel like my relationship is suffering. So sometimes we have to, you know, dig down to the actual root to figure out what's causing the thing that they think they're complaining about. Do you think a a life coach and a therapist, you think they're kind of similar? And if they are, like, how are they similar and how are they different? That's a great question. I, I think, I think they're similar in that, the goal of both the therapist and the life coach is to help the person. Yeah. Right. To not just, you know, both don't have a goal of just sitting there and like being a balm for this person for that day. Like we want to move them forward. But I think the, the major difference is a therapist or any kind of like social work. I think the goal there is healing a trauma or in a, you know, something that's happening that needs to be remedied before they can move on into the Mm. world, right? Like that has to be dealt with. And I do think there's a distinction because coaches, like our goal is not to heal you. Like we don't think you're broken. And we do talk about heavy stuff sometimes, but our goal is to move you forward, to get you into action, to get you making great decisions and making progress in your life and towards your goals. But I think the therapy side is dealing with more of the emotional work, right? or the, the healing of what's happening at the thought level. And then coaches, you know, good coaches, I'll say, will never pretend to be able to do what a, a therapist or a psychologist or even a psychiatrist can do. Um, plus, coaches are not qualified to assess whether somebody has a serious you know, mental health problem, like clinical depression or schizophrenia, yeah. something you know, extreme. But I do think that our, our goals are similar, but our methodology is much different as well. Yeah. So I know you do a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, business owners and stuff like that. This podcast is more dedicated to people in their 20s. So a lot of people are thinking about going into entrepreneurship, starting their own business. What do you have for those people that are, you know, what, what advice do you have for those people that are starting out or they want to start out or they're thinking about starting out? Ooh, well, that, that's like five different yeah. questions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's what I think, man. There, there was a quote. Um, somebody asked Elon Musk, what do you do to stay motivated in business? And he said, if you need to stay motivated, don't start a business. <laughs> and it's this like smart ass response, but it's so true that if you, if you need to be propped up a whole lot and you need a lot of reassurance from somebody constantly, probably not ripe to get into business just yet because it changes every day. And, and man, even my most successful clients, you know, millionaires, I've coached people who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It changes constantly. And what I would say is there, whether you want to start a business, whether you're thinking about it, whether you know you're going to, you're just not sure when, just know that you better love what you're doing. Even if it's just temporary, even if you're building it to sell it, you better love the, the adventure of that because it's going to change daily. And there is no graduating, you know, there's no like, oh, I've been a business owner for one year. So I got this figured out now. So I don't have problems anymore. (laughs) Right. There is no graduating beyond uh, problems, changes. They just, they just change shape. You know, the people that I've coached who are worth hundreds of millions of dollars are dealing with big lawsuits 
or stomping out somebody that's trying to, you know, that, that's copyright infringement. Um, or they're dealing with the government changing the, the federal regulations and they have to change their business to match that. So I'm not trying to be pessimistic at all. I'm just saying, love, like love your reasons for starting that business so much that you would run through those walls, those obstacles that inevitably will pop up. And, and when you know that that instinct is there and you can feel that like in your core and you wake up thinking about that, that's when you know you, it's probably time to get started. Um, how about those people that already started out, but they're having a hard time getting off the ground. They're having a hard time getting leads. Like, I guess the question would be, you know, what is the most efficient way to start getting leads? What are, what are some of the strategies you, you have in your own business? Well, it, it depends on the person and the sure. business. But I'll say um, a friend of mine, his name is Jeremiah Campbell. He said, there's only one way through this problem. It's TTP. Have you ever heard this? I have not. Let's talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, but if that doesn't work, there is a backup option. It's TTMP. Talk to more people. <laughs> <laughs> so now the way, the how you do this can change shape. You can do YouTube videos. You can do a podcast like we're doing. You can build a massive email list. You can become an expert in your field that everybody just knows you're the best. There are a million ways to TTP. How you do it, though, is the fun part. And what I would say is play to your strengths. You know, like I, I coach people who they're never going to make a funnel. They're never going to buy a, a Google ad or something like it. They're definitely not going to run Facebook ads. But they are the best at you put them in a party. And, and by the time they leave, everybody's going to know them. And when they think of what they need, they're going to go to that mm -hmm. person. So I would say, like, you know, don't waste your time on things that everybody else says, here's how you have right. to do it. Like go the other way and look inside yourself and go, what am I really good at? For sure. Right? Like, like I'm a relationship guy. So I have a deep and wide network around the world. And when I need something, I usually go straight to my network first. And then if that doesn't work, then I'll go to the, to the open market. I'll go to like social media or something like it. And then if that doesn't work, then maybe I'll use ads or, yeah. or something else to, Expand what are some of the top ways you build your your network personally? Is it going to events? Is it social media? Is it podcasts? Is it all of them? But what's like the biggest one? It's all of what's them. the biggest one for you? Yeah. The biggest one for me is getting into environments where I can have a conversation yeah. with somebody. You know, I I tend to ask really thoughtful questions because it's what I do for a living. I tend to listen very deeply because it's what I do for a living. And then I tend to help people because that's what I do for a living. So Put me in a container where I can do that. And I, I mean, just like this right here, you know, we met at an event. Sure. Um, that for me, again, now that's that's something that I seek out because that's a strength for me. If I was extremely introverted and showed up at those events and barely talked to anybody, I wouldn't probably continue to put myself in those positions as a uh, way to grow my business. Sure. You mentioned the word conversationalist. Um, I'm wondering, like, because you're a very good speaker, um, you spoke the, at the event. Um, you have your own podcast. Is there? A, did you ever have a coach in that field? Is there certain strategies that you take to become a better conversationalist, or is it just from coaching people doing podcasts? But is there more of like a deeper strategy strategy to that? Oh, thanks, thanks for the the compliments. Yeah, um, and sorry if you can hear the uh, landscape guy out there with the leaf blower. No worries. Uh, the um, Here's what I'll say. I never, I, I took a public speaking course in college. It was a typical college course. You know, you read some stuff, you do some speeches, you get a grade, you move on. I don't think that's what actually helped me learn how to be succinct or be clear when I speak. I think that's by practice. I, you know, for years in the law, I read all day and then I wrote and then delivered those results of my findings to an attorney or to a client, rinse and repeat. So for years I'm doing that. And then I get into real estate and now it's like that, but times 10, because you know a, somebody's calling in on a sign at a house and yeah. I have 13 seconds to convert them into a buyer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So I have to become acutely aware of the language I'm using, my pace, right? If I answer the phone and I'm like, hello, my name is Chris. I've already lost him. Yeah. 
So I, I took some training there. Um, for anybody looking to for a specific avenue to improve, you know, your speaking skills, I would look into NLP, neuro linguistic programming. Um, I would definitely in, purposefully read books that are written by people who speak publicly. So Daniel Pink comes to mind. Um, Phil M. Jones comes to mind. Um, the exactly what to say programs and speech in uh, books are awesome. Yeah. And then I'm seeing that Simon Sinek as well. Somebody else who I would follow. Sure. Does that answer the question? Definitely. Uh, can you talk about NLP for people who don't know what it is and like just the, the general concept of it? This is fun because you're going to get a different, if you, if you ask a hundred different NLP practitioners, yeah, you'll get a hundred different answers, but basically there's science that shows the way we speak informs how we think and vice versa. So neuro-linguistic programming or neuro-linguistic patterns, it's the association between our language being a reflection of what's happening in our inner world. And that language is essentially a choice. So I could get on here, man. I live in Kentucky. I could get on here and be like, hey, man, how y'all doing today? Dang on. So I tell you what, man, it's fucking hot today. <laughs> right? I could choose to do that. Yeah. And I, I choose to refine my speech a little bit, to use larger words, um, to take pauses just like that one. That's all choice. So what I think people need to understand is when you slow down and, and you get off the sort of hamster wheel, that's running in your mind all the time. It's much easier to be purposeful, to be intentional about how you speak. For sure. Is there a way to, you know, you said get off the hamster wheel. Is there a way that you do that personally? Like you kind of set yourself up to get in a better state. Yes. It's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that. I think it's just taking a breath. Ah. It's, whether it's like this, like I'm just taking a breath. And like, I don't have to talk the whole time to be effective. So I'll take a breath and I'll collect my thoughts. And I'll actually, sometimes I'll even say, that's not what I meant. I'll say that a different way. Mm. I'll notice if I ask a question to a client and it just kind of hits like a thud, like wet Play-Doh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, like all right, I, <laughs> let me back up. Let me ask, let me reframe that and ask it in a more effective way. And more than anything, man, what matters here is getting lots of reps. Just. Uh, you know, I used to, when I trained real estate agents, script practice is a huge part of that. So I, I should have said that earlier that, yeah, you, you need, if you're going to be in a sales position and you've never done this at a high level, I highly recommend you run practice with somebody else. I mean, every professional practices in some way, shape or form, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you played baseball, it wasn't just show up on game day and hope it works out. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Cool. Um, can I go into uh, sales with you? Kind of like, yeah, uh, absolutely. Kind of like, what is your process when you're on a discovery call? Like, what is what is the mindset when you're on a discovery call, like a sales call, so to speak? Yeah, in my world, we actually just changed this. I'll see if I can find the language. Well, I'll just summarize it. In my world, I only want to work with somebody who wants great coaching. Right. That is different than the real estate world where you want to convert every single, you know, human you come across. So it's a little bit different because I used to think, all right, I have maybe three to 10 seconds to get this person to at least like me. And then maybe I have another 30 seconds to keep them on the phone. And then if I keep them that long, then I have a really good shot of converting them into a client. Right. right. So I used to think like, I got to be that effective. Now, I don't think that way. I'm like, it's more of an alignment. And I think, like I have a saying, the right clients always sign up. So it's on me in the consultation process. We have what we call pre-framing, framing, and post-framing, or pre-work, work, and post-work. The pre-work is somebody fills out an application and they give me answers to extremely thoughtful questions. They're all each placed where they are and worded the way they are by design. Their answers reveal a lot about their personality. Again, I'm looking at their language and it's reflecting to me what's, what they think is happening in their world. Um, it's telling me their behavior. It's telling me their goals for coaching. 
So by the time we get on the call, I've saved us a half an hour of conversation. And I have some really insightful information to use. So I usually just go, I understand a lot about you. And I'd love to know what you hope to get out of today and what you hope to get out of coaching. And then I'm listening, right? And just the whole time I'm soaking up, where are they? Where where do they want to be? And I'll usually know within about 30 to 60 seconds if it's a potential fit for one of our products, which is to say services. Right. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, how do you get referrals? Because obviously that's probably the biggest way we can market or get bring in more customers, getting referrals. Do you have like a system to um, spread the word out through your clients? Yeah, we use a couple different like tactical systems. One is um, on our footers, on our emails, there's always a link to mm-hmm. you know schedule co- a coaching consultation or to send a friend to a coaching consultation. The podcast always has links, you know, to get um, to send somebody to the podcast or to send somebody to a consultation or for the person sure. listening. If they hear an episode and they're like, shit, I really need this. Mm-hmm. There's always a link right there. As far as referrals from friends and people, I do have to train them how to yeah. send referrals. And I'll usually tell them, look, the easiest way to do this is to say, I think you should talk to Chris. Would it be okay if I connect you by text? Yeah. I like That's that. it. That's it. And then just shut up. <laughs> mm-hmm. right and if they say yeah okay cool you connect me by text i'll do the rest right i'll right. take great care of them um we've we've played with incentives and inducements like um paying somebody you know i used to pay like 1500 bucks for a one-on-one coaching referral and to believe it or not people were like i, I sent them to you because I, I want them to, to get coaching i don't care about the money and a lot of times we couldn't even pay people. They're like, I don't want to put it towards something else. So we stopped doing that because it didn't seem to be that effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think the main thing is remembering to ask. And if you're in some sort of sales role or you own your own business and you're looking for referrals, one of the best pieces of advice I could give you is ask for the referral, either from your friend or the person themselves, the client themselves, at the peak of the deal. Sure. Not not just the beginning or the end, but at the peak of it. Not, you know, so let's go back to real estate. Somebody's peak of their deal might be when they get their uh, they get their first showing. Yeah, and they're looking at their first house. They're so excited because they are going to buy a house for the first time in their life, mm-hmm. and things are about to be awesome. That might be the peak of their deal. So I would slow down with them and be like, "Hey, look, we're about to get into this contract, and it's going to be incredible." Before we get on the roller coaster. Who else do you know who I should talk with about buying, selling, investing? And then I'll also, this is again, this is NLP training, but I will prime their mind. Most people will say, oh, nobody comes to mind right now. I'll say, who else do you know? Actually, I'll say thank you for thinking about it. While we're at it, who else do you know at church, at school? Maybe somebody at a family event was talking about buying or selling a house. Maybe you've got a friend that at some point mentioned they they just got to get out from their roommate. Who, do you, who can you think of like that that I should talk with? And now I've planted the seeds and primed their mind to go, actually, now that you say that about church, I, I was talking to so-and-so and they did mention they were thinking about selling this year, but they were just waiting until wow. the spring. Yeah. Oh, that's, I love that, man. That's a very, very smart. Um, what is it, what's your opinion on uh, personal branding, social media, that kind of thing? How important is that for you, especially you know, as a life coach? Mm. As a life coach, I think it's today essential. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of my, I've never met him, but I would consider him a mentor. Um, the book, The Prosperous Coach. Have you ever read that one or heard of that one? I haven't, no. If anybody listening is interested in getting into the coaching space, uh, I would definitely recommend The Prosperous Coach as one of the books you study. Not just read one time, but study. And Rich Litvin is one of the co-authors and he talks about how he built his extremely successful coaching business. His brand was not to have a website. His brand was not to be all over social media. His brand was this. I work by referral only. Mm. So there's an exclusivity to his brand. If you want to get in front of him, you have to have either coached with him or you have to have somebody say, you got to talk with Rich. And then his brand was, then I'll set up a two-hour consultation with you and I'll give you a coaching session. Now you have to stay for the whole two hours. That's the trade-off. But you'll experience great coaching. And in that, 
you'll decide whether you want to keep going or not. Right. So his brand was all about exclusivity, intimacy, you know, real coaching from the very beginning. Other people, depending on your, your product or service, might need to go a little wider. So right. we do sort of a, a mix of this where I have a website, a podcast. I do other podcasts like this. I get into groups and, and coach into uh, coach in other people's communities because I want people to say, I've seen him do this and he's fucking good at it. Mm -hmm. Right. And when they do that and somebody comes in with that warm experience, it's a whole lot easier to say, okay, here's what we want to do next for me anyway. For sure. Now, what exactly do you do? I know you do life coaching, obviously. Um, is there multiple sectors to your program? Yeah. So the, for me specific, let me break it out like this. I have three ways you can work with me. Uh, you can work one-on-one -on -one with me. This is reserved for people who have an existing business. This is usually, you know, upper six to low, sometimes, you know, 10 million in annual revenue, have a team, that kind of thing. I have a mastermind. This is a small group also for entrepreneurs who are dealing with the similar issues that entrepreneurs have. Sure. And then we have what we call breakthrough coaching, which is one-on-one -on -one coaching. It's for somebody who has maybe never hired a coach before, and this is their first experience with it. So price-wise, that's that's you know exponentially lower than everything else because we want to meet them where they are. So while those those are different products, the spirit of it is always the same. Right. And it's kind of like that saying: if you can sell anything, you can sell anything. If you can coach mm -hmm. anyone, you can coach anyone. Definitely. But but the topic tends to be different. So what I'll say there is. You know, my coaching for my one-on-one -on -one practice is geared toward executives, CEOs, small business owners. And, and in that, we have a unique set of problems. People problems, building and growing this business, stress <laughs> because of the business. Sure Cash flow is almost always the thing. So we're looking at it from the business side, figuring out how to grow the business, how to stabilize the business. Um, on the life side, there's a unique set of problems for entrepreneurs too. I'm working too much. I'm not, I'm not with my family enough. So I have to teach them how to counterbalance that and coach them into it. Is this making sense so far? No, it does. I want to know how you do that personally, how, how you get that balance from business and life. Yeah. Most of the time it's an awareness issue. Yeah. Most of the time the entrepreneur has been so focused on building this, you know, thing from the ground up that they haven't had time to go and read personal growth books. They haven't had the bandwidth to think about themselves. And so they've never really invested in their self-care. So most of the time I'm just, you know, saying, hey, have you ever thought that you could take Fridays off? And they're like, well, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> right? <laughs> and then within a couple of weeks, they're taking Fridays off going, oh my God, I should have done this sooner. <laughs> you know, like, right. I think about one of my clients, she just got uh, nominated for leader of the year for her state. So out of thousands of people, She's in the top five for leader of the year and she takes Fridays off. She works 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. max on Monday through Thursday. And she takes about eight weeks of vacation a year. Sounds amazing. So, yeah. And, and that was not in her awareness before coaching. So a lot sure. of it isn't just teaching them how to do it. It's saying, hey, has anybody ever given you permission to actually live your life the way you want to? For sure. So obviously your work, it changes lives. Mm -hmm. What, what fills you up the most about it? Oh man. Um, when somebody texts me or calls me and says, Hey, I just got to tell you, I had this huge win and you're never going to believe this. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, yesterday was a big day like this. We had, um, one of the guys I've been coaching for almost two years. When we got started, he was an employee of a startup. He now owns three startups and like when we got started coaching, he was like reluctant to say, I want to make five grand a month in my own business. He wrote over a hundred thousand dollars in new business yesterday. And so we're celebrating and he's like, dude, this is going to change my family's life. This is going to change my clients' lives. This is so great. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody else I coached yesterday. Well, I told you about the, the guy that was having the sort of crisis of faith. Like how, how do I know to follow my dream or not? And by the end of his 45 minute call, he had decided what he was going to do. He had set the path for his life and he was so excited. He called his mom afterwards to tell her, <laughs> you it's know, amazing. so things like that, like anything, anything where I get to see 
somebody is changing their life or business and that mm -hmm. changes someone else's life or business, man, that lights me up. I love that, man. What's a, what would you say like the whole purpose or whole mission behind the coaching or just behind like yourself is? Uh, great question. Usually it's to be my best so I can help other people's be their best. Other people mm. be their best. Sure. I love that. Now, uh, what do you have to tell the people that they feel stuck right now? They just, they just don't know what to do. They're in a pickle. They just, they feel like they can't grow and they just feel stuck. One of my favorite ways to deal with this uh, comes from a friend. Her name is Elizabeth Benton. She wrote a, wrote a great book. She's got two books out, but she also has a huge podcast called Primal Potential. She told me this story and I'll never forget it when I was feeling stuck. And she said, man, what if you're not stuck? What if it's like you were driving and you got this nice car and it's you know open road, beautiful day, and you see this beautiful view off to the side, like looking over this hill or over this area and you pull off to the side of the road and you just put it in park. You wouldn't think while you've got it in park there that you're stuck, right? You could go back from where you came from. You could get out and look at look over the view there. You could put it in drive and keep going. You just stopped for a minute. So maybe when you're in the middle of making a huge decision, when you're trying to figure out if you want to marry this person or not, when you're trying to figure out if you want to start that business or not, or you're freaking out about something else in your day and you feel really stuck, Maybe you just pulled over for a minute and you forgot that you had options. You forgot that you had resources. You forgot that you had people like me who actually want to help you make the decision, right? And then you can take action. And action is what is always going to get you unstuck. I love that, man. Uh, pretty deep question for you. What is the, the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Ooh. It's hard because I have so many great mentors who have given me so much advice over the years. Um, yeah, I'll pick on Keith, uh, Dr. Keith Wagner. I think, you know, when I started coaching with him, this was back in 2017, man. So we've been together for a long time. Uh, when I started coaching with him, I was fast paced. I was goal oriented. I was, you know, <laughs> move out of my way while I conquer the earth kind of oriented. And I wasn't very happy because I wasn't stopping to celebrate any of the wins I had. I wasn't acknowledging how great my life was. And I still have to be reminded of this, but he said, Chris, I need you to understand what you celebrate thrives, what you do not celebrate dies. And he's so right. These wins that I'm talking about with my clients are top of mind because I have trained my clients to celebrate at the beginning of their call. And it's funny because most of them, they're like, this is stupid. I don't want to do this. Can't we just get to business and you know move through? <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, they're like, oh, yes, I had this win. Let's talk about it. Because what we celebrate thrives. And just like in a relationship or, uh, you know, I think about even with my dog, if I forget to love on her sometimes, I'm like, even that relationship will die if I don't celebrate it. So that's probably the most poignant piece I could offer today. I love that, man. Yeah, shout out to, to Dr. Keith. Yeah. Amazing guy. Uh, I got to get him on the podcast too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted to, I actually wanted to hit on uh, OCR with you. I want to kind of bring awareness to that. Um, mm -hmm. can, you kind of, can you tell us what Operation Rescue Children is all about? I know it means a lot to you. You got in front of us and you kind of spoke about it. You gave a really big donation. Yeah. Um, what, what, what does it mean to you? Uh, yeah, thank you for the opportunity for this too. Um, Operation Rescue Children is a nonprofit organization that Dr. Keith Wagner, who we were just talking about, who's a, a clinical psychologist turned coach, he was, uh, he's been doing this for 30 years almost. Um, you know, he has worked as one of Tony Robbins' top coaches. He's coached billionaires and senators and people all over the planet, um, including humble guys like us who just want to make a difference in the world. Uh, but him and his, his co-founder in the organization, Tuhan Harley Elmore, um, their job with this nonprofit is different than other nonprofits that are in their space. This is a, a, an organization that is entirely dedicated to, and I should say here, I'm not actually part of their organization. I just feel very passionately about it and the work yeah. they do. But it's to stop human trafficking and end human slavery, which I had no idea is actually a real thing. Like we live in this bubble in America, at least, 
where we feel safe most of the time, where we aren't going to get, you know, raped or tortured all the time. And we tend to forget that these things happen in real life. And not only do they happen, they happen in our states, in our cities. And what I learned, which is is very sobering, um, at every major sporting event or every major entertainment event, there are people there who are scouting to add to their roster of human trafficking victims or sex slavery victims. So the long story short here is Operation Rescue Children equips and trains the operators in the field to stop the bad guys. Whereas other organizations are, you know, creating, you know, uh, a different way to combat the bad guys. These guys are directly training and equipping the operators who go out into the field and do the dirty work. So uh, is it okay if I talk a little bit about the demonstration we saw? Of course. So, so Zach and I were at an event together and we got to see a live demonstration of some of these operators. And when we say operators, we mean retired military or even active military um, guys you wouldn't want to mess with is <laughs> a, is a, 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 a slight way to say it. Right. Um, but we got to see a live demonstration of them doing this work and they went through, I think, what do you say? 2,500 rounds in, in less than 15 minutes. I mean, it was a yeah, lot, something of, like that. lot of ammunition downrange, um, in a, uh, let me get to the point. They had a mock victim that was in their scenario tied up at a party and was being brutalized over and over and over and over. And that's the thing. You can sell a drug one time. You can sell a human over and over and over. And these bad guys, they'll take video of it and then sell that over and over and over and over. And you just like, luckily we don't think about this stuff all the time, but I'll tell you, man, seeing these guys that I, it still gives me chills and and almost brings me to tears. Seeing these guys I had been hanging out with, raid this even even in a mock scenario raid this shed and take this victim out of it and treat the victim for the wounds and even though even though it wasn't quote real it is real because they do it in real life and it just moved me so much because i have a daughter and i all i could think in that moment was if something ever happened to her how how horrible it would be and then also all the only thing you would want in the world is for the good guys to swoop in and save her and that's what these guys do in real life. They're real life superheroes. So um, if you are at all connecting with what I'm saying, operationrescuechildren.org, you can donate money, you can donate other resources. Um, we were in a group of about 40 guys. And within an hour, I think we raised, what, $30,000, $40,000? Yeah, yeah. Um, Amazing. That is amazing in itself, but other people offered things beyond dollars. And so if you're listening and you're like, I don't have a lot to give, I'd be like, well, hey man, five bucks is still something to give. But also people donated lumber. Like one guy had a construction business and he was like, hey, when you guys do these mock trainings, you, you need stuff to shoot up and <laughs> you need structures to actually practice in. So I can donate lumber to you. So that was so cool. Another guy donated his airline mileage so that Dr. Keith and, and Tuhan Harley Elmore could actually travel and meet some of these operators and expand their team around the world. Wow. Um, other people have donated their knowledge of coding and building a website so that they can help the effort you know, actually run smoothly behind the scenes. So if you're at all relating to what I'm saying here and connecting to this idea that um, more than the Canadian population is either in sex trafficking or human slavery right now, uh, my, my strong encouragement and request would be to go to Operation Rescue Children and do what you can. Love that, man. Yeah, thanks for telling us that story. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, such an amazing cause. So yeah, definitely, if you can help in any way, highly recommend it. Um, so at the end of each podcast, I like to play a game. Um, it's, called, uh, it's called How Deep Can You Go? It's basically like a, it's like a card game and you, it's just... Uh, questions about yourself okay and basically i'll ask you the question and you got 20 seconds to respond to the question and we'll just do a couple okay we'll have a little bit of fun perfect sounds good got it um what's your favorite thing to do alone Ooh, probably smallmouth bass fishing oh interesting yeah 
Um, what's the last compliment someone gave you? Um, well, probably this guy I coached yesterday. He said, I don't understand how you do this, but I feel euphoric right now. And that's because of you. Mm, that's a good one. I love it. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is interesting. What's the first memory you have with me? Oh, um, well, I'm going to twist this just a little bit. I don't remember the first memory, but the memory that always stands out when I think of you is you walking up in your, your fight round. Yeah. And you were stone cold. Like I was bouncing around, other guys are bouncing around and like, you know, full of energy. And you were like, granite. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it. Uh, what is something simple that makes you smile? Uh, my daughter laughing. Mm. When do you feel most at peace? Ooh. Um, a couple things came to mind. I'll pick one. Sitting on my kayak while I'm fishing on a beautiful day. Love it. Um, what is your favorite trait about yourself? Hmm. Uh, sense of humor, maybe? Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, what's the favorite place you travel to? Uh, we... When, when we got engaged, we got engaged in Paris and we took a day trip out to Champagne. So we got to tour these different vineyards where they make Champagne and go down in tunnels that were dug by the Romans and taste this amazing Champagne. And some of the people, when they found out we just got engaged the day before, were really generous and gave us like, you know, once in a lifetime bottles of Champagne. And it was just one of the coolest trips that I, I'd never had that in my sights to go to Champagne, France, you know, um, man, going there and experiencing the history and seeing the, the care that goes into these bottles of Champagne. That was a really cool trip. And I would recommend that to anybody. Cool. We'll do one more. Um, what's a song you play with yourself, like by yourself, but never with other people? Ooh. Probably play on guitar or play on the radio. Oh, you play on guitar. Yeah. Yeah, let's see. Let's do guitar. Uh, there's a song by Led Zeppelin called Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You. <laughs> and it's a ton of fun to play on acoustic, yeah. but it's kind of a downer. <laughs> so you don't usually play it around other people. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, bro. Sweet. So uh, can you tell everyone, uh, you know, where, where can we find you if we want to reach out? Um, how can we do that? Yeah. Well, first, brother, thank you for the opportunity, you know, going on an hour here. And I really appreciate being able to reach out to your audience. Um, so yeah. if you connected with something that I said, easiest way to catch me is go to goodmancoachinginc.com, G-O-O-D-M-A-N, coachinginc.com. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram. You know, everybody's there. Uh, just search Goodman Coaching and you'll find me real easily. Sweet, bro. Uh, well, it's been a blast. I've learned a lot on this episode and uh, really glad you could take the time and chop it up with me. Same here, brother. Thank you so much. Sweet. Thank you.